Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Tour Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 30-14 to 14 win over the Washington State Cougars. The Trojans are 6-0. 6-0, not 5-0 anymore. <laughs> they are now 6-0 and zero on the season, the number six Trojans. We'll see what they have. Uh, whether or not they move in the polls tomorrow. But for now, USC is a winner once again. We're going to talk about the game, uh, give you our first reactions and so much more. Uh, and welcome if you're watching us live on YouTube. Have your say in the chat. We'll be interactive all night here as we talk about USC's win over Washington State. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journal with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, what is What is the deal? What's going on in Tuscaloosa? Uh, Texas A&M had goal to go from the two with three seconds to go. And their play, the play that they wanted to try and beat Bama with was like a quick curl to the, to the pylon that was short of the pylon anyways, and was well covered. Like, I don't, I don't even know what, what even (laughs) this is, this is Texas A&M we're talking about, like this is on brand, but like, my God, what a terrible Terrible end to the game for them. All their success leading up to the uh, the start of that drive. Not that we were a Texas A&M pro, uh, podcast or anything like that, but like all their success had been in the middle of the field. I do not know why they didn't just try to do that again. So, so, <laughs> so if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and don't know why we're talking about this, uh, so the little inside baseball. The way our live shows work, we have a little video at the beginning that that plays for 90 seconds, and it's a countdown until the stream starts. And it started, and AM was awarded one final play at the three-yard line with three seconds left. And you're like, oh, it'll be over before the uh, before the stream ends. And then, of course, there's a timeout, and then we're about to go live, and I knew you were going to react. And, the play yeah. literally happened two seconds. There were two seconds left <laughs> on the countdown when the play fell in, when the thing fell incomplete. So I had two seconds to turn off the TV. 
<laughs> it worked out. Yeah, it did. It did. It, it, here we are. And uh, here's everybody else in the uh, in, in the chat. Uh, welcome after USC's uh, win, 30-14 to 14 over Washington State. Who, who do we got? We got Dave. We got Matthew. We got To Be Fair, Cemetery Baby, Scott, Josh, uh, Malcolm, Rama Murdy, the Lizard King, so many people in the chat. Thanks for joining us as always. MG's Raiders says hi, Michael. Hi, Alicia. Yeah. Hi, MG's Raiders. Hey, what's up? Graham has joined us. Uh, there's a million people over here. So uh, if you uh, are in there, say hi and let's get your thoughts about USC's win over Washington State. Alicia, first thoughts go. I'm going to steal something that you said okay. that you go sent in a text. It's really nice when the clunkers are like 20 point wins. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating, right? Like, cause I, I was, I was going to talk to you about this. Like at what point do we say that these are clunkers? And at what point do we say that USC is battle tested? Well, okay. I think you get the battle tested um, for this one. Cause Washington state is a, was a, a four and one team there. They took Oregon to the, to the brink. Uh, I mm -hmm. think, they clearly have um, something about them. Cam Ward is special. He, I think if he had better receivers or more reliable receivers and a team that didn't commit so many stupid penalties, like or Pac-12 refs not being out of their minds half the time in this game on both sides, I think he really could have had a chance to pull something off here against USC. But I also really want to credit USC's defense for what is now... You can't call these fluke performances. This is... I mean, I was ready to come in to this season saying this is a 25-point defense. It's not a 25-point defense. This is they are proving that they are a 20-point and 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 under defense. And and yeah, it doesn't always look pretty. They when they are vulnerable, they are very vulnerable. Make they make it look good for the they make it look easy for the other team. But like, they never lose heart. They fight all the time. They get after the quarterback. These aren't flukes, these five-sat games. You can't call them flukes anymore. And this was a game, again, where they didn't get any turnovers. There were no turnovers in this game. And still the defense held a Washington State team that put 40 on Oregon to 14 points. I This, this game, to me, was all about the defense. I told you before we started that I didn't think that USC would be capable this year of winning. I think at the time it was 27, but like a 27 to 14 game. Mm -hmm. They could have won a 24 to 14 game. Yeah. And that is something that I truly did not expect. On the one hand, I didn't expect the, the offense to look so clunky at times, which I think is something that clearly needs to get worked out. But I also think this, you know, you have to look at the, the offensive line, some mistakes in this game, all of that kind of stuff that that contributes to that. But the storyline of the year so far to me is that this defense is consistently reliable in a mm -hmm. way that I could not have imagined saying they would be at a certain point, like after the first two games. I really couldn't have. But this team continues to grow, and and without a starting linebacker, was able to go out there and and throw in guys like uh, CV Namora and Raylan Goforth and not get eaten alive. So kudos to them. Another big game for Tyrone Teleni, for Solomon Bird making plays. Like Tuli Tubalotu was an absolute monster. USC needed him to be, but it's all about the defense right now. The, well, the defense and Travis Dye. That's what the game was about. Yeah, if USC's defense was any of the defenses of USC's opponents, We'd go into those games talking about, oh, man, this team has a really tough defense. 
they don't allow a lot of points. Um, yeah, they might bend and don't break, but it doesn't matter because they don't allow you to score at the end of the day. That's what SC is doing. And at some point, that narrative, I think, is going to shift. I was telling you that uh, Friday night, I found a video online of Mark May and Lou Holtz talking about the game. Apparently, they do a YouTube thing. And for my nostalgia's sake, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is Lou Holtz and Mark May. It's like uh, it's like my happy place. Uh, but, <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd ever include Lou Holtz in my happy place, to be quite honest. But you do you. <laughs> anyways, they, they were... Uh, Lou Holtz was talking about the the team and talking about how explosive the offense is and how the defense um, is a liability. And Mark May is like, yeah, there might be a liability, but they're opportunistic and and all this stuff. And it's like, at some point, yeah, I think we need to stop saying that they are a liability, even though they have issues with the run game right up the middle, those eight yard, eight, 10, nine, 12 yard inside zones that Washington State was running is a problem. And, you know, the fact that SC doesn't have a dynamo on that defensive line in the middle, um, you, you have uh, Tui Pelotu and Solomon Bird, and those guys are great ends. Um, but, you know, there, there isn't a nose tackle on this team. There isn't a CVT. There isn't a CVT. They're call all to, undersized right? is really the issue, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, like, until there's that Vince Woolfork in, in the, on the defensive line, you're going to end up giving up a bunch of those uh, of those runs and that needs to be better. And uh, maybe a team that's more committed to the run like Utah will keep running the ball. Um, unlike Washington state wanted to, even though they ran the ball way more than they have um, all throughout the season. But at the end of the day, SC was still able to not give up scores and they gave up two touchdowns, a couple of minutes apart in the second quarter. And that was it. Uh, two weeks in a row, SC comes out in the second half and basically shuts things down. Washington State scoreless in the third quarter, scoreless in the fourth quarter. It wasn't always pretty for SC's offense. I think the first quarter was beautiful on the first two drives. Yeah. Uh, but they couldn't score a touchdown on the second drive, had to settle for a field goal. Uh, and then it just got into little mistakes that would stall drives, uh, put the momentum back over to Washington State's side. They capitalized with a couple of touchdowns. And then it ended up in one of those situations where it was a bit of a lull in the middle quarters, but SC, when they needed to commit to the run, they finally did. Um, and Travis Dye has a season high uh, in terms of rushing yards and attempts, 28 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and like I told you towards the fourth quarter, he has a season high in carries, and he easily, easily could have had five to ten more carries. Oh, absolutely. Because in, in the first half, he should have been getting more carries. Yes. Yeah. That And that was, if I have a criticism of this offense, it's continually the like, you're allowed to run the ball, you know, like you're allowed to just lean on the run and let that sort of settle things out. You don't always have to rely on Caleb Williams. And I do want to see them embrace that a little bit earlier, but it was nice to see them embrace it late. And it was nice to see the offense close out a game um the with by by killing the clock and and all of that but they uh, they had me nervous they had me nervous so you know i it, it felt like it was going to be a romp and then that mario williams drop happened and then everything from that point onward in the second quarter was just pain and then but but this is the nice thing right is that second quarter was pain, and you even said, well, we were watching it, like, how, how the hell did we get here? Like, what happened? 
But another thing that we have to now acknowledge about this team is not just that this defense can get the job done, but like this defense in the second half is baller. The second half adjustments that we're seeing from USC right now on defense are just chef's kiss. So yeah. this is not a fluke again. This is trends. These are things that we're seeing every single week. Yeah, Anthony in the chat says, first time I'm concerned about the offense um, and maybe not the defense there is the underlying story of that message uh, because the offense has been clunky for the past three games. Graham Harrell flashback. See, here, here's the thing. I, I agree that when, when you look at it, the I mean, the offense still scored 40-something points last week, 42 points. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that the Oregon State, this in a lot of ways was a redux of the Oregon State game, but I think that they – they were considerably better about the decision-making. I still question a lot of the Lincoln Riley decision-making when it comes to, you know, that second quarter, they're down 14 to 10 and they go three and out on a drive in which there's two long passes downfield. Like you, you don't need to for, and then at that point you, you've got a third and 10, then you got to throw the football. What was the thing we used to talk about? What was the, the three and outs? The USC special. The USC special which was the uh, which the, is what this team is in danger of doing a lot yes. because they refuse to run the ball on first down. Yes. And so there were USC specials where they're in, in if, if you're new to us, the USC special way back in the day was usually a, um, a stuff run on first down, a long pass on second down, and then it's second and third and goal. And then you have to, yeah, you, you have to throw the ball. Third and uh, sorry, third, third and long. Third and long, and then or you the, have to throw the ball. Or, or the reverse. Or the of reverse. A yeah. deep pass on first goes incomplete, and then on second you run, and you get nothing, and you get nothing, and then you're in third and long. Yeah, or or you you pass low percentage on second down, yeah. and you're in third and long. Either yeah. way, um, we saw SC sort of do those USC specials in the second quarter when they didn't have to. They were down four points. They they, they weren't down. A touchdown. Uh, well, I guess they were down a, a, a possession in that sense, but they, they weren't down two, three, four scores to the point where they needed to force the issue. You still are down four points. Just run your offense. Um, commit to the run. And one of the things that we talked about when SC hired Lincoln Riley was that the running game was going to get consistently better because Oklahoma was so good at running the football. And all the metrics bared that out. You look back at the, like, 2017, 2018 Oklahoma teams. They were number one in rushing uh, by all the metrics. And here we are, and, it, and it's almost like Lincoln Riley has been a little reluctant to run the football a little bit more when Travis Dye is having a hell of a night like he is tonight. Just just commit to it. Commit to it a little bit earlier. Uh, and they did. They did commit to it in the fourth quarter way earlier than they did um, against Oregon State, it felt like. Um, and I think that's where they improved from the Oregon State game. But still, I think that they could have sort of augmented uh, the ability of the offense by, you know, not putting so much reliance on the passing game. And mind you, Caleb Williams tonight, I, I thought he was fine. 15 of 29, 188 yards, two touchdowns. He was not as bad as he was in the Oregon State game. Um, I don't think that this was an issue where the passing gate where he was off. Uh, the, the problems tonight were drops. Mario Williams, a couple big drops, didn't have the big touchdown uh, on the on the long bomb, uh, two long bombs, um, and, and that helps out. Um, but it, it was the little mistakes that SC was struggling with, and when you do that, it makes it harder to, you know, be consistent on offense. 
Yeah, I think that the lack of consistency with this offense is where I sort of start to worry a little bit. And it's really like a lack of efficiency with this offense because I do think Caleb sometimes gets a little bit hungry for that explosive play. And well, it doesn't help that he's having to roll out. No, every it's, play it doesn't because, help that he's having to avoid he's not getting pass protection. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that is the root of all problems. I will say yeah. that if you have a stable offensive line, your offense is always going to look much more consistent and uh, efficient and all of those things. USC is fortunate to have a quarterback who's able to make something out of those plays. Uh, but one of the flip sides is I think he sometimes tries to make too much out of a play. When if USC just put the ball in the hands of Travis Dye, they could be more efficient and effective. Um, one of the yep. things to note, though, and I know that it's hard to grasp sometimes when you have a historic uh, perception of what a team is. This Washington State defense is is and has been their more of their strength than their offense. Their offense has been Cam Ward making crazy plays, but their defense has given them chance, given them shots in games, and their defense is really what gave them a chance against Oregon. The meltdown at the end when they cooged it, they had been shutting down Oregon's offense most of the way through until that moment. And well, they were shutting them down in terms of the, the score. They line. weren't letting them score. They were doing yes. a little bit like what USC's defense does, but we've yeah. like as we've said, USC's defense can be very effective. Um I think that ASU has now shown that they are a more they are they are a team that has not totally given up on the season. I think they went out and got a, a really nice tough win over over Washington, um, Oregon State. We have been very we've been very complimentary of Oregon State for a long time. I think that USC has just sort of run into three teams that weren't going to lay down and die the way that other defenses that USC faced uh, earlier this season did. And you credit those those defenses, absolutely. Um, but I think this is what happens when you have a good offense, but the um, the the other side is, is intent on making it hard for you and they don't get demoralized by one great opening drive, which is what USC really needs is they need to start facing somebody who gets demoralized by a couple good opening drives. They haven't had that. Um, and we're seeing that this offense can get a little bit, you know, stuck. Yeah. The thing that I want to see from this game to Utah, which is the best defense that USC will have faced, but had trouble with DTR. They had trouble with, with UCLA's running game. And there's no reason why USC couldn't do that to Utah, too. We're going to talk about Utah more um, coming up in, 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 you know, the next episodes that we have over the week. But... This game, to me, the fact that USC didn't score 40 points against what I term to be a pretty a pretty decent Washington State defense was USC's own mistakes. Those two Mario Williams yeah. drops were devastating. Um, Caleb Williams running out of bounds. I know, okay, there was conversation in the Slack about whether or not those were designed runs, so if he had tried to pass, there would have been an illegal man downfield or all that kind of stuff, like just those kinds of things, but... USC was shooting themselves in the foot a lot in this game. There was a lot of holding in this game. There was a lot of just those kinds of things that really set you back. And on the plus side is that Wazoo did just as much of that. So it was yeah. just one of those games. I it was of- a rough show for, uh, you know, 
both sides couldn't get out of their way in terms of penalties yeah. for the most part. And yeah, and not, and this is that's I mean, I, I don't think in the preview that I called out that it would be penalties, but like that's kind of what I was getting at that like this game could be weird and that USC needed to make it as not weird as possible to avoid trouble. And we saw this game get weird. And that's why it felt a little bit a little bit iffy, I guess. But uh, the, the nice thing is we've now seen USC go toe-to-toe with Oregon State in a game where Caleb Williams was absolutely off and pull out a win because mm-hmm. the defense held. And we saw USC pull away from Arizona State because the offense was able to just go out and, and get the points that they needed in the end. And then now we've seen a weird and wild and wacky, like the Pac-12 refs are going crazy on both sides and who knows which way this is going to roll game. And USC still covers. And they do so because the defense comes to play when they really need them. And they do so because the offense scores touchdowns when they get in position too. And because the offense leans on their strengths when they need to. And so all in all, like, I doubt I don't think this is a perfect performance. I don't think this is a model performance by any stretch. No. But I feel like this might be closer to a complete performance because A, look out. USC won the special teams battle. USC special teams outplayed special Washington teams State good. special teams. Yeah, they, they shock. Good. Yeah. Complete and utter shock. But no special teams complaints from me today, which is a surprise. Defense held up their end of the bargain. The offense, would I have liked to see more points? Absolutely. But in the end, all I needed from them was to run out the clock, and that's what they did with Die. So this felt pretty complete to me in a in a game that could have been more of a blowout and complete, but complete in a game that was weird and wacky and wild and potentially chaotic, and still USC was able to make it relatively undramatic Yeah, I, in the end. Outside of that second quarter... Like, what the heck is going on here situation? We've talked about it before. There's three teams in college football that are playing a different sport. Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Alabama just went to the wire and nearly lost at home. To Texas A&M. To Texas A&M. And if you've watched Texas A&M at any point this season, you know what I mean when I say to that Texas A&M yes. team. Yeah. Um, but But I guess what I'm going after is, you know, the, the line was 13 and a half. SC wins by 16. They do it at home. They shut out uh, Washington State in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. In the, in the second half, they shut out Washington State. Um, they, they don't turn over the ball for the fifth, uh, fifth time in six games. It is a defensive, um, you know, performance of the ages uh, on the defensive line for Tui 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 Tui, ah. <laughs> Tui, 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 why am I screwing that one Struggle up? Bus. It's been so long, Marlon, Tui, well, Tui, we've Tui. been calling him Tuli now, like what? we don't even bother. That's the problem. It's the, it's the Tuli and the Tui Pelotu. Yeah. That I, I want to say Tuli Pelotu, and that's not right. It's Tui Pelotu. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but hell of a performance for him on, on defense. When you look at, at him having three sacks, four tackles for loss. I, I feel like an idiot, you know, a few weeks ago when I said that he had a four tackle for loss game. And I'm like, he's not going to do that every game. <laughs> you know, maybe he is. And, and at some point we need to start looking at this and saying, is he is he having a, an All-American season? I think it's difficult to talk about All-Americans because 
I'm not watching every game of every team. I can't tell you where he ranks in the in the number of of defensive linemen. I can tell you what an All-American looks like, and I think he's getting to that realm of being what an All-American looks like. And that, you know, to have on this defensive line is a big deal, especially when this the defense that we we've, we've talked about is 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 not perfect. Um th- there's, you know, there's not been a million five-star, you know, athletes on this defense that have been recruited over the years. Um, there's a, a number one recruit in the country who is struggling to be on the field all the time with playing time and Corey Foreman. So like, you know, the, the talent isn't where fans want it to be. There's a lot of guys that SC wanted that, you know, ended up playing in Eugene. You, you know, there's a lot of um, the defense could be better in terms of personnel and in terms of everything. But when you look at the performances that they're getting out every week, when they're te- keeping teams uh, to under 20 points, that's what good teams find a way to do. And when you put it together with another scoreless second half, like, yeah, the, you take this win. If you were if you were offered this win on Tuesday, hey, SC's going to win this 30 to 14, you'd be like, hell yeah, I'm taking it. Against oh. the 4-1 Washington State team that we talked about should be ranked, of course. Covering it, yeah, just yeah. covering the spread, I would have been, yeah. I would have been very happy. But I think that that getting getting on the subject of Tuli Tupelotu, it's really really helpful to any defense to have a havoc machine in the trenches. Yeah, it helps your secondary, it helps your linebackers, it helps the guys around him in the pass rush, and those are the kinds of plays that this defense has to live off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, early on the, the first drive is Washington state is able to move the ball here and there. And then what happens? It's a havoc play that sets them back and puts them in a third and long or a second and long situation. And the fact is that teams that are inefficient on third down are usually inefficient on third down because they end up in a lot of third and long situations because those are simply inefficient down in distances to be in. And if you as a defense are able to make to force the opposing offense into those situations, even once in a drive at the right time, it can be the end all be all. And I think that's what we're seeing from this defense. One of the things that USC couldn't do last year was create those third and long situations, create those situations where the opposing team had a hard time and then follow through on them. And I think that's the transformation that we've seen from this defense from week one to week six is they're getting that sack or that tackle for loss and setting the other team back. And then when they get them in third and long situation, they're not giving up a 15 yard play. Not that often, at least they're getting off the field. So that is a, a I think I have to credit Tuli Tupelotu with being the spearhead of that. When you look at it really on a soccer field, they always talk about like having a spot. It's really important to have the spine of your team. So you need, your goalkeeper, your center back, your your sort of lead center back, your lead midfielder, and your lead striker. And if you have those, everything else comes together that much easier. I think that this defense, while clearly, I think you and I agree, is lacking at a certain sense in, in, in personnel, they have a spine in the sense that Thule is clearly the leader of that front, and he's making plays the way they need a leader on that front to make plays. Mm-hmm. Eric Gentry, to me, is very clearly the lead linebacker, and he's making plays that make him worthy of being that lead linebacker. We continually see him making, tackling well, disrupting passes, doing all of those kinds of things. 
And then at the back, you have, I, I wish I could say Kalen Bullock at this point. I don't know that we're quite there with him yet. But absolutely, Makai Blackman is stepping into that role where you have a corner that you can rely on. And not just that, but all of the corners are doing a hell of a job in this season. But Makai Blackman is the one who I most, I most look at and, not, and feel like I don't have to worry, right? Yeah. Um. Somebody just asked who the Alexander Arnold on this team is. <laughs> I can't answer that. I'm sorry. I I think it's a funny question, but I can't answer it. Well, yeah, um, you're talking about the spine, but that was that was how Dean Lombardi constructed the Kings. Was you you the the whole center line thing? You you have your uh your your franchise goalie and Jonathan Quick. Then you want your franchise defenseman in Drew Doughty. And your franchise center in Andre Kopitar. Yeah. And if you start from there, everything else comes little pieces off of that. And yeah, you you look at it on on defense, and and you've got those three levels with with Thule, Gentry, and Bullock. Um, and you can add Makai Blackman, even though he's a, he's a corner over there. Mm-hmm. But on offense, don't you have the same thing? Um, when you have an offensive line that is not perfect, right? But there still is an Andrew Vore. He's on that on that uh, offensive line, someone who we think could be a first round pick. Uh, there's Caleb Williams and there's Travis Dye and Travis Dye absolutely put this game to rest, especially in the fourth quarter finishes with a hundred and what was it? 149 yards of, of, of rushing. Like those are, that's your spine in the run game. Um, and then you, you add on to that, uh, onto that tree um, with, with your leading receiver. And tonight it was, it was Mario Williams. I mean, he did have the the couple of big drops, but on a night where Jordan Addison only has three catches, he needed someone to step up, and it was Mario Williams. Four well, catches, he, 82 yards, and a couple touchdowns. He had two bad drops, but two really outstanding touchdown catches. So, you know, you take what you can get. Um, I, I forget who I was listening to, but they were talking uh, about college football in general and, and that the difference between – good teams and great teams is it really is just consistency. It really is knowing that on a play to play basis, you know what you're going to get. And the reason why we see so many upsets is because an inconsistent team can still have everything, all the rolls of the dice fall their way enough that like a Texas A&M can take Alabama to the end. But the reason that Alabama is consistently a winning team, the reason that Georgia continues to get out of trouble, the reason that Ohio state doesn't get into trouble is because those teams are consistently good as opposed to good yeah. 50% of the time. And I think this is, what, this is the, what differentiates this USC team from this Washington State team. This Washington State team is good 50% of the time, but those other 50% are devastating when they make the mistakes that they do. And we have watched many a USC team that fell into that category. It's like, man, if they just, if they just were consistent, then we would see them win a lot of games, but they weren't ever consistent. Haven't, haven't we had the discussion about like, okay, if the, if the same games, everything stayed the same, but yeah. you just swapped out the coaching staff. Um, We've talked about it before. SC loses the Stanford game. Mm-hmm. Um, SC surely loses the, um, the, the Oregon state game. And I think we can probably say that this one ends up, uh, <clears throat> At one point, I was going to say it was a loss. The way it ends up, maybe not, but it's it's a coin flip at best. I think previous years' defenses, Cam Ward roast them. To be to be honest, I, I 
I mean, they still might make the drops and mistakes that that really hurt them. But and, but does the SC to commit to the run? I don't think I, I don't no. think SC commits to the run in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of little, little things. things. And, 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 the, and it goes back to me, like when I said the whole thing about like SC's clunkers are, are 16 point wins. Yeah, that that tells you that, like, that's how much potential this team has when the clunker is a 30 to 14 win over a team that we talked all week should have been ranked. Yes. Well, and and this is this is one of those things where the fact that this is a clunker and USC has to get out of this the way that they do, which I think is impressive, but we did see them give Washington State chances. And again, every team's going to do this. We just saw Alabama do that. Georgia did that last week with Missouri. It, it's happened. Um, this is the difference between USC being, you know, Washington State, like 50% consistent. I think this season USC has been a vastly improved, like let's say 75% consistent maybe 80 if I'm feeling generous. The teams that are contending for the national title, aside from having significantly deeper defensive and offensive lines, um, they're in the like 90% consistent range, right? Yeah. And that 10% window is still enough for Texas A&M to give you, give you fits, but 90% of the time you're going to be okay. USC needs to build up to that level, but it's really nice to see them come out and already be where they're at because – the climb is not as high as I thought it was to get there. Um, to be able to win this game while covering just alone is something that would have been impossible under the previous regime. I, I can tell you that. We, we, we had whole seasons where we sort of calculated, like, <laughs> when is the next time USC is going to cover? And it wasn't because those lines were too big, by the way. And yeah. I thought this line was too big. I genuinely thought that the... 13 point line that we were seeing was too many. It was giving, giving USC too many points and they came out and proved me wrong. And they've, they've proved me wrong um, enough this season that I'm going to stop doubting that this USC team can't go in and, and deal with teams of Washington state's caliber, which is the good, but not great teams in the PAC 12. USC has taken care of Oregon state. They've taken care of Washington state. Yep. Um, who else are they going to get? They're going to get, Cal maybe on the fringe of that, but not quite in that in that range. Arizona's not in that range. Um, so the, the you know USC has already proven through six games a hell of a lot. The yeah. only thing USC hasn't proven yet is can they beat a can they beat an upper tier Pac-12 team? I, I mean, there's there's two of them on the way, and I, I surely want to talk about that game at some point today. We got a bunch of questions about that one. Uh, as well, the uh, the game at the Rose Bowl between UCLA and Utah. Um, Josh says, I, I thought Wazoo had a top rush defense. Die would argue otherwise. This is where the where I think that SC has such an advantage with the the breadth of talent that they have on offense. Yes, um, Wazoo is a team who was you know very good against the run. Only team in the country that hadn't allowed a twenty yard run. All season. And what Die does Travis Dye do? He gets exactly a 20-yard run. Exactly 20 yards uh, there in two, the fourth quarter. Two 20-yard ones. Yeah. The 18-yard one that they announced earlier, they, they it got put in the stat book as 20. So, Yeah, and I, I think it helps you find those holes in the run game when you have the ability to spread it out with the talent SC does at receiver. And 
Washington ha- and Washington State has to play those two high safeties. They have to play back. They have to take away the deep ball. They have to do all of that. It, it's going to allow lighter box counts, and it's going to allow you to have numbers in the running game, uh, which is why SC was able to take advantage of that uh, later on. Mind you, they should have taken advantage of that earlier. But, but that's didn't isn't that what I called for? I I called yeah. for go out and punch them in the mouth and see how they respond to the run game, and then shift to the pass if if they can stop you and sort of did it in reverse yeah Alicia you know the only good thing about football season being over there's literally nothing good about the football season being over it's just an endless wait until the fall see that's where you're wrong it's tournament season best way to take your mind off the endless weight. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo! You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, prize picks let you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Josh says, uh, do you think the main ref threw so many flags because he was secretly auditioning for the role in the next Hollywood football movie? He had too much camera time. Can we talk about the refs? What what did you th- what did you think of the the refereeing in this game? Typical Pac-12 refs. They were just not good. Um, and 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 I saw some Washington State fans losing their minds and pulling out their hair about again the Pac-12 refs are protecting USC and all that, which always makes me laugh because like USC fans would tell you the Pac-12 refs are out to screw USC at all times. I don't think the refs are out to screw anyone in particular. I think they are generally not competent. Um, and like, if I'm being generous to them, I'll say it's very difficult to be a good ref because the job is so difficult. And I don't think we give resources to refs to let them be elite at their job. Yeah. They're but at the same time, they yeah, have, they have full-time jobs. Yeah. So like, I, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I'll say. Everyone thinks the refs are bad. 
the Pac-12 refs generally are bad though and i just don't don't i don't i don't think that they have a good grasp of the game like they it always seems to me that the refs when pac-12 refs are involved the game gets out of hand very easily i think this is why pac-12 after dark is a thing in part it's not just sort of a pac-12 brand it's like the the game gets out of hand because there are so many what the hell kind of calls going both ways usually and that can can make games turn weird and i think that's what i think that, that that's what we saw from the refs i the one thing i'll say that like isn't a ref thing just like can we please stop with this stupid targeting ejection rule if you want to give penalties give penalties if you want to do a red card yellow card uh setup do that but like to eject dudes on two plays where to me the the head contact was not head hunting it was more incidental and sure dangerous but let's give a penalty and not eject a player from a game both sides lost important players to this really dumb rules and i hate it yeah for for me it comes down to i don't like talking about refs um, because I, I find all the arguments tiring, to be honest. Like, first of all, the the Pac-12 refs are not the worst refs. If you talk to... Eh, they might be the worst refs. Yes, because you're a Pac-12 fan and <laughs> watch Pac-12 football. You talk to ACC people and they're like, ACC refs are the worst people. Yeah. People in the Big Ten hate the Big Ten refs. People in the Big 12 hate the Big... Just like every single sport hates their commissioner with the exception of NBA people who can't talk... Stop tweeting, oh my God, this league, right? Like everyone hates their commissioner. Everyone hates their ref. Everyone thinks that the refs are working for other teams. Everyone thinks that that national announcers only want the opponent and not their team to win. These are just common things, commonalities. And my frustration with 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 how we talk about the refs is like with, with targeting. There were two targeting calls in this game on Kalen Bullock and then on the, on the Washington State offensive lineman who had the the hit on, on Solomon Bird. Those are plays that get called targeting all the time and have been for the last 10 years. Yeah, I Why are think... we going to sit here and be shocked every time? That's just what it is. We, we but... can argue about whether or not that should be the case, but like that's just is what it is. There the... is no conspiracy. The there issue is, no, is like... the inconsistency of calling yes, because pass the fact... interferences because the... if... or holding or this way and that way, like, there's always something. Also, there's always something where it's like they spotted the ball wrong. Yes, they they you know, set hard the, it is to referee. That's what I'm saying. It's it's like I'm not trying to be harsh on them because I think it's impossible to be a good referee at this right. stage. We like this is they are set up to fail, but that doesn't mean we can't point out that they still are are the worst part of any Pac-12 game that we watch 90% of the time. Yeah, M- Matt in the chat says, "When does Michael find any?" argument tiring i find this argument and, and many arguments tiring trust me i i, I believe I, it I, I i do um uh michael johnson says it's driving me crazy how this team has been winning games since oregon state i was emotionally prepared for big 12 bad this i don't know i miss st brown Pittman, london and vaughn's um i think you're i, <laughs> I think you might be alone there okay can yeah do I also miss St. Brown, Pittman, Vons, and Drake London and all those guys? Yes. Yes, I do. 
but I don't miss those offenses, to be quite honest. I would love to see those dudes in this offense, but I don't miss those offenses. And yeah, I do agree with the idea that like I was mentally prepared for big 12 bad. So when USC comes in and wins a game 30 to 14, I am crapping bricks because my brain was not here for the whole USC is going to struggle to score thing. Like I could, I could, I could live with, and I was mentally prepared for 45 to 35. And we have not gotten one of those games. Instead, we've gotten the opposite. And my brain has a hard time dealing with that. SJ says, this is the best SC defense since win. I I, I was going to say a a really disappointing. I had a really disappointing answer. And I don't know if this is. I'm going 17. I was going to say, was it 2020? I know we all agree 2020 didn't exist. That I don't that remember year anything about happen. 2020's defense. So yeah. if we just say that that year didn't happen. Um, no, I, I I think that when you look at what this team is doing in terms of score lines and all that stuff, it's probably 2013. The first year with Clancy um, at the helm, uh, which is, again, I mean, that, that team gave up 63 to, to ASU. Mm-hmm. I mean, mind you, there was, I think, a couple of pick sixes in that. But, like, Defenses in college football are not perfect. They're going to give up yards. Uh, it's it's about at the end of the day, what are you doing? Um, and SC, what are they doing? They're holding Washington State to fourteen points. They're holding Fresno State to seventeen. The thing you, is, you take that. It's it's still we're halfway through the season though, so yeah. it's hard to compare this defense to another defense because we aren't able to separate from our minds. What did that defense look like six games into the season? We're we're going on the full the full picture, and we don't have the full picture for this defense yet. We don't yeah. know what they'll do against Utah. We don't know what they're going to do against UCLA. Anyone who watched that game uh, uh, with uh, with UCLA and Utah knows that UCLA's offense looks like it'll be dangerous with DTR playing the way he is. So yeah, well, it's a lot. We'll, we'll talk about more of that game later on. Here in the car cast, uh, Josh says, "Do you think Travis Dye will be an All American at season's end? No, because he's not going to have the the production. I think that you know, four hundred yard games and five is is good, and absolutely what you want. But like to be an All American running back, you need to have like two hundred yard rushing games. He's not going to have that. There are only there are only so many slots for a running back in an All American team. I think Travis yeah. Dye is on track for All Pac twelve. You know, but, when the last time SC had a had a All American running back not named Reggie Bush, Lendell White. No, no, he was an All American. I believe it's Marcus Allen. Oh, yeah. So like, and USC has had some good running backs. Wait, I mean, did, Ronald Jones. I think Rojo, no, Ronald Rojo was an All American, but yes. he was an All American, but like not, not like from consensus. A, he was not from an official selector. Yes, yeah. yes, but like, it's very difficult to be an All American running back. Because yeah. you got to have like two thousand yards, uh, and SC's not going to get two thousand yards for from Travis Dye. Um, Spanky says, uh, "What what if Caleb not was not throwing accurate? Uh, was it Caleb not throwing accurately, or the receivers not catching the passes? I think it was a mixture of both. I think um, what we saw in this game was that the receivers weren't nearly as open as." Um, as you would have liked, I think Caleb was trying to take a little bit more risk in terms of throwing to guys who were covered. You saw it with the interception that got taken over. 
Um, and then in the in the, the the second quarter, the that one drive that had the three and out that we talked about the USC special, there was the long bomb to uh, Jordan Addison that was defended. The very next play, a pass to Kyle Ford had two dudes all over him. So like I think Caleb Williams was taking more chances, and then on top of that, you had the drops which were pretty damning. A couple of drops, a couple of throws that Caleb would prefer back, and a couple of plays where the the DBs just made a good play. So I think it was all of the above. Yeah. Randy says, did Austin Jones play? And uh, no. Uh, Yeah. Somebody, I've seen people say that he got in at one point. I don't remember seeing him. I wish, I've been looking through the stat broadcast. I don't see uh, where I can see participation. So um, we're at a loss there, but he certainly wasn't involved. It's hard to say at this point because USC doesn't say anything about injuries. Mm-hmm. There might be an injury component. Uh, it could also be. It would not surprise me at all. So no blocking. From thing. no blocking, no Rocky. So yeah, that could just be a situation where really Brown is earning that uh, participation over over uh, Austin Jones. Yeah, before the season, we talked about who's going to be the number two um, running back. It's really. I, I I don't think there is one. I mean, it's Relique, but it, oh, but right, there isn't like the a, last two weeks. It's been Relique, but like, yeah, realistically, I don't think there is one. There is a number. This is a one man backfield. It's Travis Dye. Um, beyond that, yeah, Relique Brown has gotten the most um, snaps, but he got two carries tonight. Yeah, two carries and one one catch or so three touches. Uh, so it's not like he's getting any run either. Uh, to be fair, says how's his ankle? I think his ankle looked just good, especially on the on the the long return that he had. Yeah, he looks he looks healthy. I think this is a, a situation where they're going to continue to integrate him into this into this offense. But like you said, I will agree with you. If we're talking about running backs who are going to be treated like die versus running backs who are going to be treated like really brown, like they're not the same position in a sense. Yeah, because Die is going to get the carries that are for the traditional running back. Relique is clearly they're trying to get him involved in a certain way in the offense. Yeah, uh, Ron says, "Is it me, or has the offense just been blah?" Because we rarely take deep shots, which is surprising considering our wide receiver weapons. A lot of it is t- teams playing too high safety and taking that away. Um, and then on the other part of it about it, I don't think SC has worked themselves up to getting those guys open. We did see. A couple of deep shots tonight that worked. The first touchdown to Mario Williams. Wide open. Yeah. And um, so I think that they're getting more closer to that versus the last few games. But still, um, there's more room to, to work in the passing game in the mid-range. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, guys across the field. We saw a couple of pa- – one of the passes that – both passes that Mario Williams dropped were wide open crossers that he could have – caught and run for plenty of yards with yes yeah those were chunk plays that's why they were such devastating drops because they weren't just catch and get tackled they were catch and run for 20 extra yards if not more yeah uh yeah i i get the 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 deep passing game question but i also think that teams are not going to give that to usd easily and so you take them when they're there but try not to force them when they're not and uh and i think usc is capable of doing that more efficiently if they don't have those two big drops, if they run the ball earlier and more consistently uh, hand the ball off to set those things up. And if Caleb Williams makes good decisions and, you know, you get a confluence of on one drive, one thing goes wrong and on another drive, another thing goes wrong. You're going to 
feel like you're you left points on the on the table even when you were never going to and, and didn't need to complete those deep shots there are other things this offense could do better to make that irrelevant yeah uh there lamont says uh what happened to jordan addison is he how bad is he hurt uh, i just looked through and i couldn't find anything to come out of the lincoln riley press conference after the game uh go follow our friends uh keely or uh keely is my name on twitter and if there's any information on that, she'll be able to provide those things. I haven't seen anything else from anyone else either. Um, but he did come back in the game after that was he last left. He, um, he was there in the last couple of drives. Yeah, that's the the one thing is he was able to get back in the game. I'm glad they didn't force him. They didn't need to have him in the game during that period. And so I think they, they weren't uh, going to press it. But the fact that he was able to go in that next drive – Probably a good sign. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised just from, from that play, the way he got tripped. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some knee-to-knee contact and maybe like a, a bruise. And sometimes that can feel in the knee. That can just feel really, really bad in the initial. And mm-hmm. and uh, But it's not structural or anything like that. So it's just a pain management situation. And yeah. when you're ahead and you're running the ball, you don't need to have the guy managing pain out there. Yeah, uh, Andy says, does USC's offense not feature, why doesn't the offense not feature more checkdown routes where our O-line isn't great? It seems like Caleb holds the bar, ball far too long and always looks deep. Um, I think part of it is there's a scramble drill and he's looking for guys to work themselves back upfield, downfield, but there are checkdowns. I mean, we saw it in the, uh, there was what a third down play late on that drive where it was sort of the, the RPO where Caleb keeps it, um, fakes the handoff to to die, keeps it, and then immediately just dunks it down to him because the the defense has collapsed in off the edge. Like there's those things there, and they exist. Um, I could there be more, sure, but I, I don't think that those things don't exist. Uh, one thing that maybe this offense and the, these receivers could do a better job of is the, those comeback routes is, is those, Oh, Caleb scrambling. I need to yeah. find a space, find, find space somewhere and get open that way. Mm-hmm. Um, without like an all 22 camera angle. I don't know That's that I can problem. say definitively yeah. that that is or isn't happening, but I feel like Caleb would have more options if that were happening effectively. So I'm just sort of filling the gap of, of what we can see. Yeah, and that's my issue with a lot of the penalties too, is that I think that some of the narrative, not to go back to talking about penalties again, but like some of the narrative into the penalties being bad is because we don't get great looks at them. How many times do we not just get like, and again, it's it's hard. There's too many things going on, right? So like it's hard to have a camera devoted to like every player. Uh, or some wide angle shot all the time and, or, yeah. or what have you. But like part of the issue is like, we don't have a great view of everything all the time. Yeah. I was laughing. Cause there was one, there was like a, the Coliseum wanted to pass interference and the broadcast is like, Oh, we'll definitely get a look at that. And then they go to commercial and like, we never talked about it again. It's like, I don't yeah. know if that was a missed call or if it was actually a good call, but my brain has already clocked that the Coliseum was mad. So they must've missed a call there. Like, I don't know. I don't have proof. Yeah, and, and I want to say that the the fumble recovery before the half that was nearly a a, a safety. They said on the on the broadcast that the 
that the reviews in the Coliseum weren't of the angle that showed that his knee was down or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it was close, but it looked like there was a good call. It was just a disappointing call because it would have been much more fun to have the safety. Yeah, but 32 to 14. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Um, Malcolm says, did Damani get in? Felt like Grinch was trying to give Damani uh, Sierra snaps and phase him out. I, I did not I, notice I, I number know. one out there at any point. Um, I wasn't looking for him. And again, we don't have the participation chart, so maybe we'll take a look at that for Monday's episode. Yeah, there's um, Sierra Wright did did register a tackle, but I don't see anything from uh, a D Jackson on the the stats. But this isn't the stat book is not a participation uh, chart as it as it stands. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, Lamont says, do you think the announcers? Uh, what did you think of them tonight? I thought they were clearly rooting for Washington State. I think this goes with the the territory. I I, I think Noah Eagle uh, is great. I I think that he's got a bright future, just like his his dad is probably one of the best announcers in the world. Um, Ian Eagle, he's great, and um, I think Noah's on that path to be right there. The other side of it is, if you are an announcer, you want the good story. What is the good story? The good story is USC being dominant or losing because that's an upset. And so I don't think that announcers are actively rooting for Washington state. The announcers, the, the impartial announcers want the good story. They want the the best story and the best game. And the best game is often the most uncertain game where yeah. you don't know who's going to win going into the final two minutes. And so when you're the team that's favored, it's always going to feel like the other the other side is getting the benefit, but that's just because you never want to call like a, a 15 point game. You want it to be a three point game going back and forth. Yeah. Well, like I, I told you on Friday night that I was watching uh, Nebraska Rutgers and it was, I think it was 13 seven going into the fourth quarter and the announcer's like, you're not going to want to turn away from this one. Yeah, <laughs> We are guaranteed a grandstand finish. And I'm like, no, no, you're not like it's, <laughs> It's 13-7, and it's Nebraska and <laughs> Rutgers. Like They're not scoring it. They're touchdown. not scoring. Like, what guarantees yeah. that this is going to be good? Like, uh, Yeah. I mean, it was a decent finish, but it, yeah. <laughs> it, still, like, that's, from, that's the truth of it. Far from guaranteed. Um, SJ says, who's feeling better about their team right now, Alabama fans or USC fans? I mean, Alabama fans get to write off this game as Bryce Young is out injured and will be fine. Uh, I think Alabama can still depend on their defensive and offensive lines and their depth in those positions better than, than USC can, can do at the moment. So yeah, Alabama fans are still fighting for the national title. Like USC, I'm still waiting to see if this team is a playoff team. So yeah. I, I, I think the other thing is if you're an Alabama fan and you're expecting a national championship every year, uh, your expectations of every single game are different mm-hmm. than what SC fans' expectations are. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, e- either way, SC 6-0 for the first time uh, in a long, long time. 15 years. It's been a while. Since 2006. Yeah. So, and they they lost after that. So, uh, 2005, they kept winning, though. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how that all comes together. Uh, all right, let, let's talk about the Pac-12 at large here um, for a second. Remember Murray's question, what do you think about Utah after their loss to UCLA? 
Um, Alicia, you and I watched that game. What were your thoughts over at the Rose Bowl? My thoughts were really just UCLA is, is quite good. UCLA is quite good this year. Um, big ups to Jake, our buddy from uh, the What's Brew Show, because I was giving him some crap about uh, UCLA losing to Washington, and he was like, nah, they're going to blow through Washington, and then who's going to beat them if they get through Utah? And that's exactly what has come to pass, actually. They, they made it through Utah, and now you look at their schedule, and they should be in a dogfight with Oregon because it's in Autzen, but I'm still almost ready to take UCLA in that game. That's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, but two it, weeks from now. Yeah, and uh, that was my takeaway from that game. The problem with evaluating Utah in that game is that Utah at Rice Eccles is not the same team as Utah on the road. There's no, there is a reason why Utah's two losses this year were in the swamp and at the Rose Bowl. Um, travel is hard. This is one of the things we keep saying. So I'm not going to write off Utah based on that game. They did look like they had some flaws. Uh, they did look like they have, um, they can be run on, which is not necessarily something you always expect. And it looks like that offense without Brent Keithy, uh, maybe doesn't have like a, a go-to dependable. Dalton Kincaid. Is that his name? The other tight end? No, I thought that was, I thought he was, uh, he was there today. Was he? I, think yeah. I thought he played for Stanford. Why do I have Dalton Kincaid in my head? That you? was Dalton Schultz. Oh, Schultz. That's right. Yeah. So they still have they still have dudes that can that can hurt USC, but that that offense is not scaring me the way that, especially coming off of this performance from USC's defense, that offense is not scaring me in the way that it might have before. But at the same time, Utah on the road versus Utah at home is a different prospect, and USC on the road versus USC at home is also a different prospect. We saw the two games that USC has probably struggled the most in this this year were at Stanford and at Oregon State. So yeah. road games are difficult. We're going to find out who USC is on the road in that game, uh, and it's going to be probably a dogfight. But I also feel, I feel as confident that USC could get a win from that game as I have felt at any point this year. All right, you're, you ready for some... Ready for some hot takes? Are you going in? I think UCLA is the best team in the conference. That's what they feel like right now. Yeah. That's um, the most impressive win in the conference so far. Yeah, I, I think UCLA looks very good. I, I put on Twitter, um, probably the scariest looking UCLA team since 98. Um, you can look back at those the, the peak of the, of the Mora era, and sure, maybe – but DTR is better than Brett Hundley. DTR looks like a sixth-year senior. <laughs> yeah, and Charbonnet, I think, very clearly is their best running back that they've had since in a while. Yeah, Maurice Jones drew. Yeah. So yeah, UCLA looks very, very, very good. Um, I think that you look at this, and you know, in the Washington State preview, I talked about how the matchup with Washington State would favor SC because I thought the matchup played into SC's hands where. SC is someone who wants to get after you and create sacks and turnovers. And Washington State struggled with turnovers and struggled, um, you know, in, in not wanting to run the ball and being one-dimensional. UCLA is sort of the complete opposite of all of that. UCLA is explosive on offense in the passing game and the running game, and they have a great tight end, and, like, all these things. They have a, a, a dynamic rushing Dynamic running, running quarterback. quarterback. Like, it is 
and, and an opportunistic defense that that is, you know, very similar to SC in, in that they're going to hold you down. Like, it is a terrifying matchup for USC, I think. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we're talking about Utah. And is Utah going to give you a nightmare where you, like, you keep you up at night because they got playmakers like Zach Charbonnet and DTR? No. Cam Rising is not scary looking. But here's the thing about Utah. I think Utah is more, and Kyle Whittingham is more than smart enough to not be Washington State and not be some of these other teams who didn't put their foot on the throats of where SC has weaknesses. And I think Utah is more than capable, especially at home, of continuing to run the football. And okay, if you're going to give up eight yard inside zones. Well, then we're going to keep running it over and over and over and over again until you stop it. And that's where I think SC needs to improve because their own weaknesses could be exploited by Utah. Whereas I think UCLA just has a different is a different beast where they could just outskill you. Yeah. So, uh, but long, long way to go until the UCLA well, in, game in November. In two weeks, UCLA might get absolutely trounced by Oregon, and then we're going to have a whole yeah. different narrative. So, again, it's a long season. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Lots, lots, and lots can change uh, until then. Uh, Kenny says, if SC beats Utah, are they a lock for the playoff? No, because UCLA exists. Well, Honestly. And uh, Malcolm in the chat also pointed out, like, I think USC fans need to maybe – wake up to the fact that Notre Dame seems to have figured stuff out and that they might, they, they have the best defense that USC will face all year. And they, they the, could be a, a Utah clone in that sense. And the, the offense is starting to figure itself out. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get to Notre Dame, you can't write that off as a Notre Dame as a dumpster fire. They're not anymore. They're winning games and winning them impressively at that. So yeah, pay attention to that too because, uh, again, long, long way to go in the season. Big, big test to come in the season. We'll see how USC responds to them. Yeah, uh, Brandon in the chat says UCLA was a bad decision away from losing at home to Alabama State. They played well against Utah, but let's not crown them. You want my honest opinion, my honest, very honest opinion. Chip Kelly, he went to the NFL. He came back a completely different person. It was like someone who went to war and then came back and you don't even recognize him anymore. That was Chip Kelly. He comes back and I do not think he cares about non-conference games. And I think he called those three, those four games as if they did not matter. And then, and that they were exhibition games. And then that's why you see the true explosive UCLA all of a sudden come to life against Washington uh, and Utah. Yeah, but also slow the roll. Washington got exposed by ASU, and yes, they didn't beat Utah sure. at, right. at the Rice Eccles. So they're still big tech. If they go to Odson and beat Oregon at Odson, add that to a list of very, very impressive wins. But UCLA has a long way to go to prove themselves as well. Like there, there's still some questions that I have uh, to to deal with when it comes to UCLA. Never crown anybody six games into the season. Well, that's just yeah. that's you know that's not what we're trying to do, and I don't think that's what what uh, anyone who's reasonable would do. Yeah, uh, Alex says, "Have you heard of CAI Championship Analytics? Many teams use it. 
maybe giving up big chunk yards is preferred to giving up chunk passing yards. I think chunk chunk yards on the ground might be preferred to giving up chunk passing yards. Maybe that's what that means. Well, it feels like USC's defense is trying to keep everything in front of them in the passing game. Yeah. We're not seeing USC get torched. Well, how teams are field. defending USC too. And yeah, and and I think that's probably a, a smart way to go for this team. Um, we've seen busted coverage like once or twice, but they're they they are generally keeping things in front of them, and and it's working out for them because they are opportunistic. So. Uh, I don't know if that's based in the advanced stats, but it could be. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about the CAI championship analytics, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I tend to more look at the F plus and S, SP plus. SP plus and, and, all that, yeah. uh, and then the other one is the Fremo stats, so FEI and things like that, um, which are old. They've been around for a while. So like, mm-hmm. I'm always game to, to hear about new things, but um, no, yeah. I, I don't know those uh, off the off the top of my head. Um, Ryan says, why is Michael wearing the epitome of a Helen era hat instead of wearing what, uh, well, of wearing where we should be headed like the Dodgers, like a Dodger hat. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, I am wearing a California angels cap. That's a good look. Because the Dodgers are trash and I can't wait for them to lose. He's wearing a California angels cap in honor of the MVP, the MVP, Shohei Otani. That's right. I don't actually believe that. But, oh, but I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Josh says, um, what did you think of the Mario Bros trailer? Chris Pratt, get out of here with that accent. Get out of get out of here. If you're going to play Mario, you need to go full on. It's a me, a Mario. I'm going to win. Like, you need to, like, be. Where did that come playing from? Playing up the Italian plumber. You can't come in here with like a, oh, I'm I'm Italian plumber. No, 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 no. Go all in, man. Go all in. <laughs> no half, no half-ass efforts here. Uh, sure. Um, as a uh, diehard PlayStation per- person, I hear all this talk, and it just, <laughs> just to me, you know, who Mario is to me Lemieux. That's who Mario. There's only one Mario. It's Mario Lemieux. <laughs> And that's Mario ho- Williams, that, Mario Williams. I think that's a hockey reference. Yes, it's a hockey yeah. <laughs> reference. The greatest hockey player in the history of the world, Mario Lemieux. <laughs> what are you talking about? The true great one. Uh, Josh's other question uh, is, um, what is Michael going to be? Is he going to be a ref for Halloween? Uh, no, I don't celebrate Halloween because Halloween is a trash holiday. But we've, we've talked about that. He has the worst opinions, guys. I I deserve a medal. Uh, John says, does it seem like Coach Riley is saving place for Utah? It seemed like the play calling was conservative today. I, 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 I always wonder these things. I think it's difficult to ever figure it out. I think that those are hypotheses, hypotheses that are, that are easy to have, but you never know until it happens. Right. I think there, there's probably plays in the arsenal that we haven't seen yet. Are they holding them for Utah or are they holding them for a very specific scenario against whatever team they come against? That's probably, that's more where I'm at. Yeah. Dan says, does this become an F1 live stream at the top of the hour? It could, it could. We are now 22 minutes away from the Japanese Grand Prix. So if you got picks, 
on the Japanese ground pretty. Uh, fire away. Before we started, Michael was like, you know. We're out of here we're by 9.55. Hard out. <laughs> hard out. Yeah. So that's how long you got us for. Uh, Alex says, how great was the OU loss to Texas? I, Stunning. I, I, you want my honest opinion? Hmm. It was sad. It was sad. It was like just sad. Like it, the whole like. I, I know, sorry, I'm saying like too many times, but um, Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, and so they're without him, but the whole, like, Wildcat thing, it was just depressing. Uh, I mean... Like, once you go to the Wildcat as your offense, like, there's just... You're giving up, essentially. You're giving like, up, that's yeah. That's when you're giving up, but you should be giving up when you're, you are down to your fourth-string quarterback, and then that's your solution to it. I don't. I agree with you. It was sad. Good for think, Sark, though. Good for, good for Sark. I think that this is why we talked about how you can make a good hire and it could still be a 50-50 prospect because Brent Venables is a first-time head coach. He's yeah. never had to be the one to rally a team. And I don't think that means that he's done, he's finished, or that he can't turn this around. But what we've seen over the past three weeks is a team that doesn't believe in itself. And it's on the coach to figure out how to get that belief back. And what we saw on Saturday from, from Oklahoma was theoretically rock bottom. Um, but that's what happens when you have change and you have yeah. transition. And this is why it is so very impressive that USC is 6-0 and at this point. Because change and transition often involves these kinds of missteps. And so far, USC has avoided that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, the Texas thing about Quinn Ayers. How do you say e- Ewers? Ewers. I can never say his name. Yeah. Um, he gets hurt in the Alabama game. You can make the argument, oh, they beat Alabama if he's not hurt. I don't know about that. And then do you make the argument, too, that they beat Texas Tech if he's not hurt? I believe that. So then... Can you make the argument that Texas should be undefeated? Can you make the argument that Texas should be ranked like I wrote about this afternoon? You can make I mean, that argument. I mean, didn't Jeff Sagrin have them like sixth? I mean, statistically, they're 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 a top ten team. Um, they have they their two losses this year are by combined four points against the number one team in the nation and a Texas Tech team that lost to Oklahoma State, a top ten team by like three. So Texas Tech is a is a competitive team. Um, Texas lost to them without their starting quarterback. And yes, I don't think that Alabama loses to Texas, even if he, even if Quinn Ewers is, is there, I just think that's still too difficult of a, of a play, but I can't say that it wouldn't have been possible for sure. I think, I think that Texas is, you want to know what Texas is. Texas is a team that is doing the opposite of what Oklahoma did, where they experienced (laughs) some wrote some, some speed bumps and they have rallied and gotten themselves back where they like Notre yeah. Dame is in the same position where Notre Dame could have absolutely been a collapse, but they have rallied and they have gotten little by little back to where they need to. And um, that's what Oklahoma needs to do. But credit to Texas for that, because I don't think that's easy. Uh, but uh, Quinn Ewers looks like a dude. So good on good on him. Yeah. Uh, good on Sark. Uh, happy to see Sark have some some success there. Uh, Josh says if if SC beats Utah, ND and UCLA will uh, at least they finally chug mustard. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to promise any mustard for me either. 
Um, Tom Ham uh, Tom says agree that some of the quick tempo, short passing seem to be absent tonight. Yeah, I, I thought when the offensive line is struggling, um, the way that they have been, t- stop with the five and seven step drops. You know, it, it is frustrating because when they do that, like when they were in the um, when they were in like the one minute offense at the at the end of the half. I know it's different what the defense does in there, but uh, that tempo stuff works and that short passing game works and mm-hmm. the run game works. So why not lean on those for a little while and let those open up opportunities to go longer? Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty, plenty of room for SC to improve uh, in the passing game, despite getting the, uh, the big win. Tom also says, I thought the Addison jet sweep was compelling. Great play by Wazoo to blow that up. Yeah. We haven't I, seen that, right? That was no, new. No. And there was a lot of people on Twitter that were like, oh, my God, just don't be so cute. Or, or what What are you overthinking? That is a that is all all of that is confirmation bias. Prime example of good play call, bad execution. It, or it, good execution on Washington State's part it to was, not get full. Yes. It, it, yes. It, it surely did not work. But if that play call gets, you know, picks up eight yards people are like raving about the, the genius of lincoln riley yes so that, that that's yeah. one of the things where i get frustrated about confirmation bias uh alex says where should ucla rank tomorrow uh, be ranked tomorrow where and where will they be ranked uh i think that they let's see they're 18th right now they beat number 11 they beat number 11 um, I will say that they'll be like 14 realistically top 10. They should be top 10. I, I'll and, go 12. You, you, I don't know who lost. Th- this now. honestly, like if I had a poll, I'd put UCLA over SC right now. Honestly, like to be honest, but this is the problem with college football is that you, the way the rankings work and we've gotten better at this, but we're still not good enough. It's where you start. And since you start out of the rankings, you have further to climb. You have much further to climb, even though that's not necessarily like how life works, but that's how the cultural polls work. So, um, Tommy says, uh, Alicia, what's your final guess for the USC's record? I'm still going 10 and 2, to be honest. Okay. Utah and no, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, 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 I want to go into next week's preview, like not knowing your your Utah thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I keep, still think tenant. You keep 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 uh, some 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 stuff some yeah. stuff uh, in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, last couple of questions before we wrap this up, since we're getting close uh, to lights out over in Suzuka, Japan. Um, uh, let's see. Josh says, if you had two burritos, but open them up and combine all the ingredients and wrap it in a larger tortilla. Do you still have two burritos? No, that's one burrito. It's in one tortilla. It's one burrito. If you have one burrito, one tort if it's one tortilla that you are putting all of those ingredients into, then yes, you have one tor- you have one burrito. Yeah. It's it's yeah. yeah. Very easy. Can't, but there's uh, active combination there. Uh, Cam Lifestyle says, wouldn't you want to see Relique in space coming out of the slot possibly? Yes. I think that I would like to see him used more in this offense and not necessarily just die or Relique Brown in the, the backfield. Like 
Porque no los dos. Yeah, that'd be fun. Not, not just split backs, but like have Brown split out wide. Put him in the slot, see what he can do. Um, any of those things, I think, uh, certainly would help and give USC more more wrinkles in offense. Um, and then Lamont says, Michael, your fruit takes are as bad as your baseball takes. The Dodgers are winning the ship this year. Yeah. No, because the Dodgers have never won a real World Series in my life. <laughs> and that will continue to be the case. I'm sorry. It's it just, it's how it is. It's how it is. Alicia, you're an Angel fan. I'm a Cubs fan. As people who we've seen our teams yeah, win but real I'm World an, Series But title. I'm an Angels fan who who isn't delusional and doesn't act like winning <laughs> a championship in the bubble or during COVID was somehow easier then I've never said it was easier. I said it's not a real world well, series. But why isn't it a real world series? Because the season was 60 games. Are you freaking yeah, kidding me? Yeah, but the postseason was still We're not going to rehash this. Come and on. it was arguably more difficult to win under those circumstances, separated from your the family, season was not 60 playing games. at home, all of that kind of stuff. It wasn't a real season. Yeah. If, if the Dodgers didn't win, Dodger fans themselves would be making yes, the same argument. Yes, but that's because sports fans are stupid. No offense, everybody in the chat. I love you. I'm stupid too. But like delusions take over when we talk about sports fans. Yeah. Uh, Matt in the chat says, do it for Fernando Valenzuela. Well, you know the thing about Fernando when it's it's Fernando night, you know. When, when he was on, it was a hell of a thing. Uh, Jedi in the chat asked if this means Liverpool will lose tomorrow. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Liverpool's losing tomorrow. Uh, Chelsea, three no winners. And I will, And I will be up for that and regretting everything about my life. All right. We got to bounce. The race is going to start. So until then uh, we'll be back on Monday. It is going to be our fallout episode to talk about USC at Washington state. Uh, and then we'll be back on Wednesday again with the preview of USC and Utah. The Trojans going on the road to rice Eccles for the final time. Last time ever going to Salt Lake city. So look. I'm, I'm going to answer Dalton really quick in the chat because he's new to the cast. Uh, why don't you guys attend the game as either fan or press? We used to both attend games as fan fans and then as press. Um, I now have a day job that causes me to work the full college football Saturday, so I have to work from home. And we decided that we would rather do post-game car casts from the house immediately after the game um, than have Michael go- continue to go to games because it was just too difficult with him shuttling back and forth from USC with the press box and all that kind of stuff. So we decided to prioritize the car cast and we hope that you guys enjoy. Yeah. In a perfect world, we could go to the games like we used to um, with you on the sideline doing photo. That was, that was the best you on the sideline, me in the press box. And then right after doing real car cast in the car, that Mm -hmm. real car cast in the car that were live, that would be awesome. awesome. Yes. No, I'm telling you really quick. What I dream job, please. Uh, maybe so. I'll, I'll make a GoFundMe or something. <laughs> uh, what I want is the Rotmobile. It is a a um, motorhome, and we take it to every SC game, and inside is a podcast studio. That would be amazing. Yes. We we go to every game home as, and away. as credentialed media, uh, home and away. You on Pod- the sidelines of photographer, me up in the press box. Podcast live after each game. And then a half hour after the game, we go back to the uh, – Back the to the Rockmobile and maybe even have a live audience. Live. Like, you know, we can not get big. too crazy. <laughs> I get too crazy. Hey, you know what's not crazy? USC is bowl eligible, baby. 
Okay. La- for real, last point. When I was a child, when I, when I was a child, uh, SC was bad. We're talking about the uh, the Hackett era. Um, he who must not be named. Uh, no, Papa Hackett, not Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, okay. Yeah, Papa Hackett. Yeah. And it was such a big deal when SC finally got bowl eligible that it would be like one of those moments that you'd celebrate. Yeah. And so, so there's still like the the battered child in me that's like oh, bowl eligibility. <laughs> Hey, there was no eligibility last year, so you know what? You gotta take it. Yeah, this is true. Alright, uh, we will catch you guys later. We'll see you on Monday and then again Wednesday and then a car cast uh, next Saturday night when USC goes up to Rice Eccles. Until then, Verstappen for the title. We'll see you. See ya. See ya. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.